But today as we, you know, gather our thoughts together in the whole conversation that I want to bring to our church about the beauty of Palm Sunday, the road to resurrection. Today I want to talk to you from a title that the Lord has put in my heart, The Lord Needs It. The Lord Needs It. What is that one thing God needs from you and you're holding on to yourself? What is that one thing that the Lord is wanting it and we are just gathering around and saying that, no Lord, this is mine and I can't leave it at all. The Lord needs it. Let us look into Mark chapter 11, verse 1 to 11 is the backdrop of the whole story where we see the triumphant entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem. That's how... Uh, the narrators, the writers of the, the Gospels put it together. The triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Oh, pause for a moment. The triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Oh, do you know that just after a few scriptures and verses and headlines, Jesus will be betrayed? Do you know that after a few just verses down, Jesus will be crucified? That triumphant entrance doesn't make sense. But what does not make sense to many others outside in the world? The disciples understood. This is the triumphant entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem so that he can fulfill the promises and the prophecies made concerning Jesus and not just him, but for whole humanity. Can I hear an amen? For whole humanity. Let us read. Mark chapter 11, verse 1. Onwards. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter, you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. One, untie it and bring it. Repeat it after me. Untie it. Come on, church. You can do better. Some of you all need caffeine this morning, I guess. Untie it and bring it. Let's do it again. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it. And will send it back immediately. And they went away, found a call, tied at a door outside in the street, and they untied it. Some of those standing there said to them, why are you doing this? Why are you untying the colt? As they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and, and threw their clocks on it. And he sat on it. And many spread their clocks on the road and others spread leafy branches and they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem, went into the temple, and when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. What a beautiful scripture that we get to meditate on Camp One for the next few seconds, minutes, um, as we meditate on God's word on a Palm Sunday at our church. 
As we look into this portion here, it may look like Jesus just chose to walk through that road, but it was all a divine orchestration. The divine work of heaven, almost 200, 300 years ago, there were prophecies concerning Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem, where Jesus would walk this road, where he will willfully submit to the will of the Father so that he would be betrayed, he would be captured, and he would be crucified, he would be buried, and on the third day, he will rise up again. It was all prophecies made about Jesus and it had to happen and Jesus had to surrender himself to the will of the Father. But as we look into this portion over here, we bring our thoughts together on a Palm Sunday, the triumphant entry of Jesus. But as Jesus is walking or, or marching or making him, his moves into Jerusalem, understand this, he's riding on a young donkey. And Jesus calls his disciples, his best of the best. And he said, hey, you know what? I want you to go to that place. You would find one in that place. In other words, Jesus is giving them the right location of where they will find it. Now, if you've been around any kind of boss who does not give you clear instructions, you'll be like, I can't do this work. You know, like... Uh, he doesn't, he just gives me ideas to do it and he doesn't give me clear instructions. I can work under him. Are you with me? Have you all ever worked under, under some people who does not give you clear, clear instructions of what to do and like, okay, you can do whatever you want to do and in the end, he will come and yell at you because you didn't do the way he wanted it. You, you should have just told me the way I should have done it, right? And Jesus here, the one of the greatest leaders to walk on this planet, he gives them clear instruction of where you will find it. In other words, he knew the exact location of where this young donkey was tied up. This young donkey that nobody else has ever, uh, 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 you know, taken it for a ride. Never used it. Never came around into anybody's shoes so far. And Jesus notices it. And he says, you know what? I want you to go untie it. I want you to go untie it. Let me just pause here and speak into your life right now. Your life's present condition and location is known by Jesus. Google or Facebook may track you down by the application or the phones that we use. But here's the good news. They may not know everything about you, but there is the one who knows every single detail about your life. Praise the Lord. You know, our phones track a lot of our information. They know everything. A couple of weeks ago, Sean and I, we were talking about some sort of a storage unit for our church. I think a couple of hours, we were talking about our storage unit. And I go back home and we see notifications and advertisements of all of these different storage units for the church. And I'm like, who told, the, who told my phone about this? They are tracking. Are you with me, church? But here's the thing. Jesus knows everything about our life. Our current condition. Your wife who's sitting right next to you may not understand it. Your husband who's sitting right next to you may not know it. Your children who, who sees your life together may not even fathom to what you're going through. But good news, there's our Lord and Savior that we get to worship every day. He knows every pain that we go through. 
He knows everything that you and me are going through right now. And Jesus said, hey, you know what? I want you to go into that village to this current location that I'm giving you. And I want you to go and untie and release and bring it to me because the Lord has a need of it. And I look into some lives today and I'm here to declare the Lord has a need of your life. The Lord has a need of your testimony. The Lord has a need of everything that you are as God's child. Everything that you are as His family. Everything that you are as a husband and wife. Cannot, can I declare, let not the enemy separate what the Lord has united. The Lord has in need of it. Praise the Lord. I look into my house and I want to say this. I look into my families and I want to say this. The Lord wants us. He has a great... People may think that, hey, you know what? You're, worth, you're, you're worthless. You, you can do things that uh, people may uh, ostracize and put you aside. But good news, Jesus says, I can make use of your life. Your testimony matters. Your life matters. Your family matters. Your children matter. And I have great use of it. Jesus said, I need it. I want you to go and untie. Some of you, maybe God's anointing of your life and your calling is to go and untie those people. Untie those families from the clutches of the enemy. Maybe it could be untie their thought patterns that have made them and deprived of God's love in their life. Untie them so that they can see what the Lord wants them. And through them, He can establish and expand His kingdom. A donkey that nobody used, nobody cared for, was tied up in a corner. And Jesus said, you know what? I want that exact thing. Not a horse. Not a fancy chariot. But I want you to bring me that exact donkey, uh, the colt. Bring it to me. So that I can use it. In the Old Testament, when a king rode on a donkey, it just meant that I bring peace to you. Are you with me? In the Old Testament, if a king rode on a chariot or a horse and he goes into a kingdom, into a city, it would say, you know what? I am bringing my vengeance here. But if he rode on a donkey to the place, the kingdom, it simply means that, you know what? I am bringing a peace treaty here. I am bringing peace to you. Oh, Jerusalem, your king is coming to you, riding on a donkey. Why? Because he says, I am bringing peace to the very city that I am in love with. I am bringing peace to your life situation. I am bringing peace to your family. I am bringing peace to the work that you are doing. I am bringing peace into your life situation. It may look like everything is falling apart, but the king is riding on a donkey to declare that I bring peace into your life. The shalom of God. I bring peace into your life. I wonder there are how many people gathered in this room and this space listening to me. 
No matter where you are, but I don't know how many people are ready to welcome this king riding on a donkey into your life, bringing peace into your situation this morning. On a Palm Sunday, I'm here to declare, may the Lord continue to give you peace into your turbulent waters, into your turbulence that you're experiencing. May the Lord continue to give you peace riding on a donkey. Praise the Lord. The beauty of his work on a Palm Sunday was to untie. I go back into to untie something that was not of any value, to untie something that nobody cared about, to untie something that was just left alone, to recognize the least, to recognize a minority, to recognize something that was weak and to bring it to prominence is the work of a savior. If I look into this room, there are people here. You may not be worthy or qualified. May find yourself not qualified to do the things that many others are doing. But hey, good news. My Jesus recognizes and he says, my grace is sufficient for you. Lord, I don't think I can do all of this. Lord, I don't think I can walk into those rooms. I don't think I can crack those business deals. But God says, my grace is sufficient for you. Untie the colt and bring it to me because the Lord has need of it. I'm going to declare over your education, over your marriage, over your family, over your ministry and everything that the Lord has brought into your life. The Lord has need of it. Every single person in this room, the Lord has need of your life, brothers and sisters. Praise the Lord. The Lord has need of your influence. The Lord has need of your educational platform. Anything and everything the Lord has put in your life, give it back to the Lord. Don't hold it to yourself. Simple terms on a Palm Sunday. Give it to the Lord. Let Him use it. And you see the beauty of the work through the hands of God. Five loaves and two fish. Nothing, it doesn't make sense at all to feed more than 5,000 people. But in the hands of our Lord and Savior, it does make sense. It does make sense. When God called the stutterer Moses, Moses said, God, I can't even stand together and speak a word out without stuttering. But God said, hey Moses, I want you to show me what you got in your hand. And I would use the same thing, the same thing to give you power and authority to stand in the, in, in the, in the chambers of Pharaoh. To release my people, what you got, what you got, the Lord has need of it. My, my speaking prophetically into your life today, the Lord has need of it. On a Palm Sunday, the Lord has need of it. Praise the Lord. First and foremost, it was untying that was tied up for centuries. Untying that was tied up for a season. Untying that was tied up in your life. Maybe there might be some sort of a knots in your mind and your thoughts today that you cannot fully fathom and understand the love of God in your life. Listen, brothers and sisters, the simple gospel message that I can give out to my church on a Sunday morning is that Jesus loves you. And because He loves you, He chose to willfully surrender to the plans and purpose of God Almighty. How many of you in this room, you know for sure that Jesus loves you? 
the rest of the congregation. This group is very active today. I'm going to preach to this group. They're very active. The rest, I don't know. They might need… Anish, can you please order some caffeine? Like, you know, Starbucks maybe? <laughs> I'm kidding. The simple gospel message that I can give out to my church is that Jesus loves you. Good news is all about Jesus' love for His children. God's love for His children. On a Palm Sunday, Jesus chose to willfully surrender Himself as He paved the path to the road to resurrection was simply because He loved people. And every single one that is in this room, God loved us. We still have breath in our nostrils. Why? He loves us. But here's the good news. Even if I meet death today, He has already paved the path to my resurrection. The moment I close my eyes on earth, I am walking in eternity with the Lord and Savior of my life. And that's why we do gather here. We have grief and pain, but we have the joy of meeting our loved ones who walk in the ways of God to be with our maker once again. Second thing that I want to mention to my church. You know, we, when we read the story here, we see that a lot of people gather around and they brought out clothes and they put clothes on, on the donkey. Um... There's a royal welcome. Well, the donkey for a moment thought, what's going on here? Like, all these years I carried the lords of people. I just worked so hard and nobody recognized me and people just used me. But now the story is changing. You know, I am getting so much prominence here. I'm as of... I am of so much importance here. What is going on? The, the paparazzi are behind me. People are taking selfies and pictures. And donkey is saying, what, the, what, what in the world is happening? What is going on? Nobody, nobody cared about me for all this while. Once in a while, I might have got some food here and there. Um, nobody talked about me. But all of a sudden, there's so many people all around. It's not about you, Mr. Donkey. It's about the one who is sitting on you. Listen to this. The prominence sometimes we receive in our life is not because of our merits. Not because of what we can do. It is because of the one who lives inside of you. Oh, I need to hear some people who will attest to my message today. The prominence, the places, the benefits that I receive in my life, the business ventures that I can do, the educational upliftments that I receive in my life. It's not because of my merits, not because of my education, my bank balance, my influence. It is because of the grace and the grace of heaven above. And that is why we lean on to the understanding. My grace... Come on, church, can you say it with me? My grace is sufficient for you. How many of you this Sunday morning, you would say, God, I need your grace. I need your grace. Brothers and sisters, without the grace of our Savior, we are nothing. We can do anything. We're just like the donkey tied up in a corner. But when the Lord notices it, it comes to a prominence. The same people who accused 
the same people who trashed, the same people who kicked it out, the same people would stand around you and lift you up. Why? Because the king decided to ride on you. He is the king of kings, the lord of lords, and he chose a meek person like me. He brings into prominence where nobody else cares. He brings into prominence where everybody else thought of a waste. He brings into prominence. And listen to the scriptures that we see over here. They untied it. They brought it. And they put clothes on it. They cut out leaves. And they all started singing. Huh? Hosanna. What does Hosanna mean? On the chat if you're watching us. What does Hosanna mean? Praise. Worship. If you look into the scriptures, you would see Hosanna means save us. Are you with me? Hosanna means save us. So the people are gathered around welcoming Jesus. And they all singing this Hosanna. We sing in our church Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. I love to sing the song, but you know, they will tune me off. But you know, um, but they all loved and they were singing in the best way possible to the king, Hosanna. Simply means, Lord, save me. Save us. Save us now. That's what it means. Lord, save. Save us now. They all started singing, Hosanna to the new king who is riding into Jerusalem. The children of Israel were waiting for a deliverer to come. The children of Israel were waiting for the promise to be fulfilled. The children of Israel, every Jew in the land was waiting for a Messiah to come and deliver them out of the captivity, out of the Roman Empire that has seized them for centuries. But they did not expect that a king would come on a donkey. And, but still... Everybody in this room, everybody around Jesus gathered around singing the same tune, Hosanna, Lord, save, save me, Lord, save me. I hope they don't say something else, you know, <laughs> Lord, save me, Lord, save me. Hosanna was the voice that echoed around Jerusalem. All day. Hosanna was the words echoed around all of Jesus' vicinity that day. Why? Because there is only one person who is able to save and his name is Jesus. Praise the Lord. I would ask this question in this room. Who is our Savior? Some of you all might say, you know what? Dr. Ali is my Savior. Doctor, whatever. <laughs> or maybe my insurance. Maybe something that whenever I am in trouble, the most immediate thing that I can look back into and I know that this one thing will protect me is my Savior. It's my Messiah. But anything and everything in this world system will collapse but Jesus. Are you with me, church? 
Every stronghold that you think will come to your rescue will fall apart but Jesus. The beauty of today, the Sunday morning, as we gather around here in this platform to declare, Lord, you alone are the savior of my life and nothing can come in between. You're the savior of my life. God, you are that constant hope. How many of you believe, Jesus, you're my savior? You are my savior. Lord, thank you for the gift of salvation that I have in my life. Listen, all the people in the area, vicinity, they all started shouting, Hosanna, which means, Lord, save us. In other words, there is no other salvation through any other person, no salvation through any other person other than Jesus. The whole city erupted in singing, Hosanna, there is salvation through the new king riding on a donkey who brings peace into my times. Who brings peace into my... Are you with me, church? Are you tracking with me today? This new king who's riding on a donkey is bringing peace into my life situation, what I'm facing. And now I get to sing, Hosanna, Lord, save us now. Brothers and sisters, my message to my church this morning, as I have declared the title of my message, the Lord needs you, but listen and understand what the Lord needs is you today. And what you need to know is salvation is only through Jesus Christ. And he brings peace to our lives situation. I want to read a couple of things that I've written it down here. When Jesus asked the people to bring the donkey, listen, he owned all things, yet he possessed nothing. He created the stars, yet he had nowhere to lay his own head. Matthew chapter 8 verse 20. He fashioned everything out of nothing, yet he had to borrow a boat from which he had to preach the gospel. We know the story, he borrowed the boat of Peter. He created every drop that exists in the world, yet he cried out, I thirst as he was dying on the cross. John chapter 19 verse 28. He created every tree and fashioned them all around. The fauna that we see, the flora that we see, he fashioned everything but still he died on a borrowed cross. He created every rock but he had to borrow a tomb in which he had to be buried. He used the clouds as his chariots. Psalm 104 verse 3. Yet he had to borrow a donkey on which he could ride. Listen, that was the paradox of Jesus' life. He had everything and all that you see all around the world. But he still wanted to make use of the things that are attached to our life. And today my question to our church is, what is that one thing we are holding on to that can we can together say, Lord, make use of it. Make use of it. Make use of it. Make use of my voice, my talent, my times, my resources, my family. How many parents here would say, Lord, use my children for your glory. Use my daughter, use my son to be a testament of your word. How many parents in this room would say, Lord, use my children to be a light in the world that is filled with darkness. And I say, some fathers in this room, you are the priest of the house. You got to lay your hand on your children and prophesy over them. Are you with me, parents, dads? Are you with me here? 
You are the priest of the house. God has given you that authority to speak life into your family. As you pray with your wife, as you pray with your husband, hold hands together and declare the words of God over their life and let them know, my children, my family will be a testament of the Lord in dark times. They will rise up to a time such as this. The Lord is in need of it. The Lord is in need of it. And salvation is only through Jesus Christ. That is the message of Gospels that we see put together. Fourth and the last thing that I want to mention here, and I'm going to close after this. I have the worship team behind me. Number one, I mean, fourth thing, the donkey was redeemed, released, and ruled by his Savior. I want to conclude with this. The donkey, the colt that we see, that Jesus untied and the disciples untied and brought it to Jesus. He was riding on it. He was redeemed, released, and ruled. Listen to our lives. Look into our own life. Jesus paid his precious blood to redeem us, to release us, and he rules over our life. How many of you would say, Jesus, you rule over my life? He rules over our life. He redeemed us with his Precious blood. When you buy something out of your first paycheck, when you buy something out of your hard-earned money, you know the value of that thing. Are you with me, church? Praise the Lord. When you buy the very first thing that you have loved so much, you saved up the money and you bought it, you are in love with that thing. You, you will carry that thing. You will save that thing. You will never let anybody use it at all. You will protect that thing. Praise the Lord. Listen, Jesus purchased us with his own blood, willfully surrendering himself to the will of the Father. And that's the beauty of the work of redemption that we see. Jesus has redeemed me. How many redeemed in the house today? Can we all rise up in God's place? Jesus redeemed us with his precious blood. He redeemed us, paying His blood from the clutches of the enemy. And that's why I'm here to declare, sin has no control over your life. Curse has no control over your life. Generational curse ends when Jesus walks into your life. The moment His blood washes you, everything of the generational issues that you've been dealing with, I rebuke that spirit in the name of Jesus today. The Lord has use of it. How many of you will declare this with me? The Lord has use of my life. Say, say this with me. The Lord has use of my life. The Lord has use of my family. The Lord will use my children. The Lord will use my talents. Lord, I pray over your children right now. Every single person in this room, we give you glory and honor. We celebrate you. And right now, as we declare the words of hope in this service, Father, I pray that you will continue to bless your children. As we look to you, we rejoice in you. We celebrate in you. Lord, you have untied us. You have brought us into prominence. 
and you have made us bear witnesses of your name. We are of anything only because of you. We were nobody, but you made us somebody because of you being in our life. Thank you that you rule our lives. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we look to the Lord in worship, the offering buckets will be passed around too. If we look to the Lord as we surrender our life here, I want to read a scripture that tallies around with the scriptures I was reading from Mark. And this is from the gospel according to um, Luke and Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, verse 38 onwards when you read this portion. Luke chapter 19, verse 38 onwards. It says, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Verse 39. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these disciples were silent, the very stones will cry out. Listen to this very carefully here. This is the same story that I was reading to you about Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Everybody is cheering Jesus. Everybody is celebrating Jesus. Everybody loves this occasion right now. They are worshipping. They are singing Hosanna. They are singing to their King and they are welcoming Him. But there were groups of people who did not like it. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, of course, they did not like all the good things happening around Jesus. People welcoming Jesus. Listen to this. There will be always that group that does not like you worshipping Jesus. Mark my words, young people in this room. Mark my words, people listening to me. There will always be that group that does not like you worshipping Jesus. Praise the Lord. The Bible says, and Jesus, this is what Jesus said. He said in Luke chapter 19 verse 39. He answered, I tell you, if these people were silent, the very stones will cry out and they will worship and honor the Creator has come. Hosanna to the King of Kings. Hosanna to the Lord of Lords. So in this room right now, I don't know where life has put you, but I want to declare that Jesus has come to our rescue. He has paved the path to our resurrection. We might be grieving the loss of a loved one, but we can look to our God with hope that in Jesus' return, I shall face him. I shall see him. I shall see the redemption of my life that I believe in my maker. Let's sing to the